Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news paper since 1971. Bonus time on the Ben Jarowski Show as I speak. It's Thursday, May 20th, 2021. I give you a headline in today's newspaper that kind of relates to what I will be discussing with my distinguished guest. Uh, The headline, I just plucked this one out randomly from the New York Times today. House backs a riot inquiry. GOP resists. GOP resists. Man, am I getting sick of hearing that word. When am I going to see GOP sees the light and decides, you know what, maybe we're pursuing policies that are hurting and damaging our country. And maybe we will work with President Joe Biden and Schumer and Pelosi instead of just fighting and resisting. GOP resists. Anyway, sir, I'm going to get off my high horse right now. And uh, to further the conversation, I'm going to introduce, or excuse me, I'm going to ask my distinguished guest to introduce herself, as I always do. So distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. I'm Barbara Arnwine. I'm the founder and president of the Transformative Justice Coalition, which is one of the nation's leading racial justice organizations. We fight mainly in areas of voting rights, criminal justice reform, policing, African-American women and the law, and we do a whole lot around youth development. But voting rights is our ground. That's where we stand. That's where we fight. And it's a great honor to have you on, Barbara. I really appreciate it. This is the second time I've had someone from your group on the show. Daryl Jones was on a couple of weeks ago. He did an outstanding job. A lot of my listeners loved him. Yes. Uh, he- well, he's our brilliant Visionary. Yes, he's a criminal defense lawyer in his day job in Maryland. And I always say now, if I'm ever trouble in Maryland, I'm calling Daryl Jones. Okay. Um, All right. Let's uh, let's take this. Let's break this down. Uh, We did a great deal. uh, We spent a great deal of time on this show a couple of weeks ago promoting a day of action on May 8th. uh, And a lot of my listeners participated. And God bless you for participating, listeners. Uh, The movement is never over in terms of encouraging people to vote and breaking down the barriers to get people to vote. However, got bad news for you. If you thought that just one day of action 
was going to solve all the problems we have with people resisting uh, on matters of social justice in terms of promoting vote, you were wrong. So, uh, Barbara, why don't you update us on what has happened uh, subsequently to the May 8th day of action and what sort of is lying ahead in terms of challenging uh, challenges that must be met? Well, I wanted to, you know, first of all, thank the hundreds of thousands of people who participated in May 8th action. None of them walked into it thinking it was just going to be over on May 8th. Everybody knew that that was a what we call a stop on our designation. Our designation is the passage of S-1, For the People Act, and passage at the federal level, of course, of the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. And, and we must have D.C. statehood. So those are our three you know, foundational uh, federal pieces of legislation. Uh, so, you know, we do May 8th. It's a great success. People do everything they can. We're shocked that all the Congress people who come out and participate and want to be part of May 8th. We're just amazed at the 150 cities that turn out and show up and show out, uh, you know, for voting rights. But we have no illusions here. We are in a major war uh, because there is a war on our democracy being waged by not only big money interests, uh, but also being waged by anti-democratic forces and white supremacist forces. And all of them have converged at the same time for the same purposes, which is to artificially maintain our democracy as a... I would say almost an oligarchy of, of very limited you know, representation and very limited uh, participation. So their goal has been to shrink the electorate. Our goal is to expand the electorate to include all people who should be voting and are eligible to vote, uh, but many of whom are blocked now by these very ugly voter suppression laws. So since May 8th, Florida, uh, you know, it's passed uh, its little evil law. Uh, Texas has uh, moved, you know, several pieces of legislation. Arizona has had the nerve to sign into law a couple of evil uh, acts. And other states, uh, Michigan, they've introduced 39 voter suppression bills. Uh, there's just, if you look around the country, this assault on the right to vote is vicious, it's manifest, and it is pervasive. And the only answer to it, everybody, is not only to pass those three critical forms of federal legislation, but also every time they say voter suppression, we got to say good trouble and fight back. That's the only answer here, because no matter what we do, these anti-democratic forces, and I say little d, they really are anti-democracy forces will continue to push. They're not going to go away. They're not going to die out. They're not going to just be, uh, lay down their arms and just say, okay, cease fire. No way. This is a vicious battle over what this nation will look like, who will govern it. And it's already got governance problems, uh, but they want to make a worse because they want to dominate the uh, political scene by blocking voters of color. And when I say voters of color, let me be very specific. African-Americans, Latinos, Native Americans, 
Don't get this twisted because it was just a major lawsuit filed by Native American groups over the voter suppression that's been launched in different states. Uh, and we also, uh, you know, and of course, Asian Americans, and of course, for some bizarre reason, they just hate young voters. Uh, they think they're too sophisticated, quote, too liberal, uh, too, quote, socialistic, whatever they, they come up with. But the reality is, is that uh, they really hate young voters. And so uh, we understand why in part, because if you look at Georgia, the biggest uh, political change and you know, realignment in Georgia that led to you know the results we saw not only in November, but in January, were based on young voters. Uh, absolutely unprecedented historic turnout of young voters. And that's been true nationwide that young voters showed up in 2020 in numbers never heard of in this country. Uh, just uh, you give me a lot to unpack there and to follow up on. Just want to point out good trouble, of course, is a saying from the uh, legendary uh, congressman. Uh, John Lewis, good cause, good trouble. Right. And uh, so that's who uh, Barbara Arnwine was uh, quoting there. All right, you mentioned Georgia. I'll skip over the all the other things that I was going to ask you and just go straight to Georgia since you just mentioned it. Uh, Senator Warnock will be up for re-election next year. Yes. Uh, it is no coincidence, in my humble opinion, this is Ben speaking, not Barbara. This is my opinion. I don't know if she agrees with it. But these laws were in part implemented to uh, do what they can to un to defeat him. In 2022, this is me speaking. This is my personal oh, belief. Absolutely. Okay, <laughs> we see eye to eye in that. We may not see eye to eye in college basketball, but we see eye to eye to that. And so, please explain. Oh Lord, he's still trying to sneak in somewhere with this to my my love. He's still trying to get at my love. I mean, you have to stop. You are That was subtle too, by the way. She didn't <laughs> even see it. Just snuck that thing in. Barnwise, prop graduate of Duke Law School. When I saw that, our, <laughs> I just had to give her a hard time because not a lot of you know, Dukies. Nobody said prop graduate. I just said I'm a graduate of Duke Law School. Um, very good. Very clear. Very, very clear. But I am, I did just get an do honorary doctor of laws from uh, Duke University, and I'm very happy about that with the amazing John Legend and Evelyn Higginbotham and some other wonderful people. So that was uh, really a great day on May 2nd when that occurred. But let's get back to, you know, talking about why is this happening? Yeah. Remember, it is reported that David Ralston, who is the majority leader in Georgia, in a private session with uh, his uh, GOP colleagues said that his goal in passing what became, you know, uh, known as, you know, SB, uh, you know, uh, 202 at that point, that his goal in pushing that legislation was to shrink the African-American electorate in Georgia by 20 to 40 percent, that that's what they were attempting to do. And we have heard similar similar language out of Arizona, uh, out of other states, out of remember Pennsylvania and Michigan. We've heard you know, similar statements in the past about this is what the voter suppression in those states have been geared towards. So we got to be very honest. I mean, you know, I and also, folks, you know, there's another little constituency that uh, we don't hear a lot about that they really dislike. And I mentioned young people, but young white women. Uh, they also have some issues around. And um, so, uh, you know, even though, you know, not every, you know, young white woman is progressive, it's fascinating that they uh, also target, you know, that population too. 
Uh, so it's, it's interesting to me that in the nation right now, you know, as we look at what kind of government do we have, think about this, Ben, 20, the average state legislature is only 25% women, period. The only state legislature that really bucks that trend is Nevada, where you have the majority of the legislature being women, not through anywhere else. And, uh, and how do you explain that? How do you explain 25%, only 25% of women uh, being in these state legislatures? Look at the Congress. It's not much better. And then also the other real interesting thing is when you go through and you look at state by state, guess who else is underrepresented? Not just racial categories, not just women, but look at the youth. Look at the ages. It's fascinating to me. Uh, how age-skewed uh, most of these state legislatures are, and that Gen Z, Gen Millennials barely represent, uh, you know, very underrepresented in proportion to their numbers. So there's a lot wrong that we have to work on, uh, but nevertheless, voter suppression is not the answer. Voter suppression, the only thing we can say to voter suppression is what, Ben? Good trouble. Make good trouble. Yes. Absolutely. So how, uh, explain to the listeners, uh, Barbara, how the bills uh, in, in Congress right now could undo, have the potential to undo the damage uh, that Republicans have tried to create in states like Florida and Texas and Georgia, et cetera. Go ahead. Well, you know, what's beautiful about the legislation that's pending is that S-1, the Florida People Act, what it does is amazing. It actually makes universal across every state in the union the same identical voting rights as a floor. So if I left Maryland today and moved to Idaho, I would have the same floor rights for early voting. That state could not deny me for federal election purposes the right to vote early. And I would be entitled to vote at least two weeks early. What states don't have early voting? Folks, you don't realize it, but a whole lot of states have no early voting whatsoever. And we know that's a problem because if you're low income and if you're a person of color, uh, you are much more likely to vote early uh, because you need it to give you yourself those options to get off of work, to find a, a ride, to get to wherever you need to vote. Uh, you need that. Guess what else? It makes uh, universal the right to a mail-in ballot, a, an absentee ballot. If you notice, what are these states doing? Where are they targeting their voter suppression? It's, it's, they're clamping down hard on absentee ballots. What else do they hate? They, they have discovered being a new boogeyman. Uh, that uh, that they see in the night attacking, you know, their 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 idea of what a government should look like, and that boogeyman is called a drop box. <laughs> they they hate drop boxes, and uh, you know, in, in Florida, Georgia, uh, Ohio, uh, you name all these states, they have all attacked the presence and the operation of drop boxes, uh, and making them very limited. Very few in scope. In, um, in Evo, Ohio, they still have, what, one per county? In Texas, that's the proposal, one per county. So it doesn't matter if you got a million people in that county. They've got one, one drop box. And now they've moved in Florida. 
say that the drop boxes have to be in a federal governmental, I mean, have to be in a governmental building and only open during you know, nine to five. Tell me, Ben, why do people need drop boxes? Because they're working and they need to be able to drop off the ballot when they get off of work. So when you put them into a locked building uh, and no weekend access, that defeats the entire purpose of a drop box. So you would have the same right. Guess what else is really amazing about S1 is that it also would say that regardless of your status as someone who was formerly incarcerated for a felony, that you could still vote the minute you walk out of jail. Uh, that means no probation, none of these your paroles where people in many states, at least 31 states right now, have to wait at least seven years after they're out of jail before they can vote. And, uh, and that varies from, you notice I said 31 states, right? So that means in the other states, you have different kinds of rights. Uh, that makes zero sense. We should have uniformed same rights all across the board. So that would empower over 6 million people to be voters. Uh, who are currently blocked by these voter uh, suppression, uh, voter felony disenfranchisement rules. It would also give people the right to same-day voter registration. It would give the right, guess what, Ben? It would give people the right to online voter registration. Do you know there are still states that don't have online voter registration? Do people realize that? That that simple thing of going to the internet and registering yourself, they still don't allow it in a number of states. Uh, it would give people so many other, you know, basic rights that we take for granted. Those of us who are in good states uh, that, you know, try to uh, encourage people to vote. Uh, but we are having all these states that don't want it or, or that just don't want to spend their money smartly uh, to uh, empower voters. So it's important to us, every single one of us as Americans, to fight for S1. Because that would, in essence, knock out, I would say, over 80% of all the voter suppression that we've seen. The other bookend is H.R. 4, the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. And some people say, well, why do you need both? You need both because one just sets standards uh, that are uniform across all the states, all in the all 50 states of the United States. The other one, however, is designed to knock out any practices that have a discriminatory intent, purpose, or effect. So think about this. If you and I were to sit down today and we wrote S1, we write all these beautiful rights in, you know, as far as you know, when people can register, early voting, all the other rights, guess what we would never have thought about? Somebody coming up, somebody being so criminally minded, so deranged, so anti-voting rights, so intent on the theft of people's right to vote, who would think that you would come up with some law saying that if you gave somebody water or food for standing in line uh, you know, for three and four and five hours, it's not their fault. It's the fault of their uh, you know, governments that they're in those long lines. And then you're going to criminalize people for helping them, for giving them some water, some food so they can survive, how to get to the ballot box. I mean, come on. I mean, that's what you need HR 4 for, for all these criminally minded, evil, 
uh, you know, acts that these states come up with that are racist in intent, racist, racist in purpose, and racist in operation. Yeah. Listening to you talk, it just reminds me of like the, it's sort of like the 13th Amendment was used to abolish slavery and the 14th and 15th were used to make sure they didn't bring back slavery under other guises. Uh, that's what I popped into my mind when I heard you going on that riff. Uh, I got to get back to the Dropbox thing, uh, Barbara. <laughs> I, 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 you just blew my mind when you went on that. And I just like, I, it, how could it be remotely fair to limit drop boxes to one per county if counties have vast differences in size and population that's just so blatantly unfair i thought we were supposed to be a country of fairness this is like the epitome of america everything is fair. we're all starting to race at the same position okay so i i'm I'm not a lawyer so excuse my ignorance and frustration here and help me out how could a judge rule in favor of that if it came to a challenge. You know what I'm saying? What convoluted legal logic and theory, what mental gymnastics would it require to say, oh, it's okay to say a, a huge urban uh, county with a million people can only have one uh, drop box, just like a rural county with a thousand people. Please help me out on this one, Barbara. Well, you know, that this is that whole problem of what's called state rights. Remember, that's always been the umbrella for uh, getting away with racial discriminations by yelling state rights, state rights. States should be able to set, you know, any rule of regarding voting that it wants to set as long as it's not, quote, purely, you know, racist on its face. Uh, you know, that's the way, you know, a lot of people think. Uh, and what we got to really be clear about is that in this fight you know, against this assault on our democracy and this assault on our voting rights, that it is absolutely urgent and imperative uh, that we make sure that judges, lawyers, the American public understand how people can disguise uh, their racist intent and their evil intent behind what looks like neutral policy. Uh, and even when it's evilly, uh, when you look at, you know, how in the world can you justify one drop box for a county that has 50,000 and one drop box for a county that has a million voters? I mean, how can you justify that? And that's why, you know, we have to you know, really uh, make sure that this whole doctrine of state rights uh, is you know, is uh, put into proper perspective, that it's not operative when it comes to something as fundamental as voting rights. Uh, that's why it's very, very important for all these groups that are suing. Remember, there's major lawsuits going on in Georgia. I think I just saw a new one was filed the other day. Major lawsuits going on in Florida, Arizona, everywhere where they pass these laws, we're going to challenge them. We're not going to sit back and just say, oh, well, that's what they did. No. That's how we get into good trouble. We fight back. And one of the things that we're saying to these courts is, how is this equal protection of the law? Equal, how is it? You know, how uh, fundamentally is that not, you know, unequal? Isn't that a violation of the, believe it or not, get ready, Bush versus Gore principles? Um, because remember, Bush versus Gore was about equality of treatment in the electoral system. Uh, so these are the kinds of issues that we will be fighting with the courts and we will be demanding that all of our 
um, you know, that all of the judiciary respond. Because one thing they won't get away with, Ben, is not answering the cases. Because we're going to file the cases. We're going to do the work. We're going to not only file the cases. What else are we doing? We're probably trying to you know, pass the legislation. But also, let's be very clear. We're going to be working with voters to educate them how to deal with all of these obstacles. Uh, because the one thing that we learned in 2020 is it doesn't matter what they throw at us. We have to have a mentality that says not only do we get into good trouble, but we also have to have a mentality that says we're unstoppable. No matter what they do to try to block us, that we're going to show them that we're high hurdlers. We're going to show them that we know how to get around, you know, all of these machinations. Uh, you know, they told people that they're going to have to, you know, uh, use drop boxes and they laughed and said nobody was going to figure out how to do that. We taught them. They said that, uh, you know, nobody was going to figure out how to tell people, teach people how to use uh, absentee ballots. We taught them. Uh, you know, we know how to do this. And that's why every person has to view themselves as a voting rights champion, not a sideline sitter. You got to be no bench warmer in this battle. You got to be out there on the battlefield, on the battleground. You got to be a champion and a warrior for voting rights. All right. Part of the reason why they're moving uh, to limit the use of the drop box is that you successfully proved uh, that you could teach people how to use them. And so, uh-oh, we better get rid of that. First they say, oh, they'll never do it. Then, uh-oh. Too much democracy. <laughs> Too much democracy. Uh, we didn't really actually mean for you guys to use the democracy. Uh, <laughs> all right. Now, I know a lot of my, most of my listeners are uh, in Illinois, Chicago area. I have people from all over the yeah. country, mostly are in Chicago, Illinois. And our senators, I guarantee you we're going to vote for both measures. Um, and in fact, if it was just a straight up vote, you know this as well as I do, both measures would probably pass because Democrats hold a majority in the House and the Senate. Unfortunately, yeah. we have the filibuster rule in the Senate. That's correct. Uh, that uh, this cockamamie uh, situation would require 60 votes uh, as opposed to just 50 uh, to pass uh, each of these bills. What can people who are listening to this show right now do to put pressure on senators? Go ahead. Oh, absolutely. I mean, obviously, first of all, the filibuster rule is not absolute, folks. Guess who it doesn't apply to? Judges. Uh, you know, have you ever seen somebody talking about it takes 60 votes to put somebody on the court? No, simple majority. Uh, it doesn't apply to a number of other uh, you know, measures and procedures. So why not have a carve out on the filibuster for civil rights and voting rights legislation? Uh, you know, we need cinema, we need mansion, we need a whole lot of people to understand that. But let me be very clear. I don't like this, uh, you know, focus only on, quote, the Democrats. What about these Republicans? There's all of them sitting over there. How do they get away with any responsibility for fighting for our democracy? How do we sit back and give them a pass and put all our, our pressure just on Democrats? Let's be clear. You know, democracy is a two-way street. It, does, it requires, uh, you know, all parties, all uh, elected officials to look out for the people, not for their pocketbooks. Uh, not just for their own, you know, uh, greed and their own, uh, you know, uh, avarice. It's important for us to absolutely, you know, uh, be very clear about this. And what I like that people are doing, 
is that people's response to you know this Q, uh, you know this QAnon uh, madness and all the rest of these strange people who have shown up in Congress. People's response right now is to run other candidates. Uh, and you're, if you look at what's happening on the ground level, whole lot of movement now around around people focusing on. Wait a minute, who's really representing me? And are they representing me? Or are they representing themselves? Or are they representing just the money interest? that they believe is more important than the people. I mean, these are the issues and these are the things that we are fighting for. And it's very important that people, you know, listening, you know, again, that you're engaged in this fight because people tell me all the time, Ben, what can I do? Yes, you can tell your senators uh, to pass this legislation. Yes, you can tell your senators, all of them, not just Democrats, but Republicans too, that the filibuster needs to go when it comes to voting rights and civil rights uh, matters. You, Yes, you can also, but guess what else you could do? You can register a lot of people. I mean, come on, as we sit here, there are 50 million unregistered Americans, 50 million unregistered. And you know, I mean, everybody listening knows at least 10 of them <laughs> or, or more. You can register them and you can go online to vote.org and do that. You can go to our votingrightsalliance.org and do it. I mean, there's all kind of information. The other thing you can do is you can educate voters. A lot of people don't vote because they don't know who to vote for. When I, and I say that because they, they look at these judges and other you know people down ballot and they're confused. But you can educate voters about them because there's a lot of good information at Ballotpedia, a lot of good information at League of Women Voters, all kinds of smart vote, all kinds of great information about uh, who is who. And uh, and so there's an educational role you can play. There's another, you know, you can also, you know, get out your postcards and, you know, be heard all the time. And I think that there's a little bit too much silence. There's too much silence. There's too much of... Well, I guess that's the way it's going to be. No, it's going to be the way you want it, the way you force it to be. And we got to unite at every opportunity, every time, every turn, every twist. And we got to get into good trouble and fight back. Barbara, I know you got a limited time, so we'll close with this question. And it has to do with the third uh, matter you brought up, D.C. statehood. We've talked about that on this show several times. I do not understand, again, talk about basic fairness, how they can concoct a justification for denying statehood uh, to the District of Columbia. I know they're doing it for totally political purpose. And then they project on Democrats. They go, well, we're only doing this. You only want statehood because you're going to get two Democratic senators. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you're just projecting. You're only keeping it because you don't want two Democratic senators. Yeah, exactly. What, there you go. What can activists in Illinois and Chicago do to advance this very important cause? Well, you really need to speak to, again, to all your senators, all your congresspeople. I mean, the good news is that the House of Representatives has already passed what's called H.R. 51. It's now S. 51 in the Senate, and it's called the D.C. Emissions Act. And you can absolutely tell them to support the D.C. Admissions Act, the passage of it. Uh, it's once again sitting in the Senate and we need it to pass. And what I want people to know is don't get all confused. D.C. has a larger population than Wyoming and Vermont. Uh, not only that, 
Guess who pays more taxes? DC, uh, DC citizens pay more taxes than citizens in 20 other states. More taxes. So don't be sitting around saying, well, this is uh, you know, this is such a uh, unfair thing to be thinking about because it's just a little city. No, it's got a population bigger. Uh, population, frankly, that challenges uh Alaska's. I mean, you know, people don't really understand, you know, uh, that we got a lot of uh, states that quote have land mass, but some don't even have that much land mass, and have really low populations, and that it's wrong to deny 712,000 people the right to have not only a fully admitted voting member members of Congress, but to have, uh, you know, senators at all, no senatorial representation that's acknowledged and is able to speak up. And it would change our body, body politic, but that's for the better. You know, uh, we know that this is in part racial uh, because D.C. does have a large people of color population, although it is predominantly white. Um, so I just think that, you know, we have to do everything we can to pass D.C. statehood it is critical, and to the people of D.C., keep up fighting. We'll be there with you. All right, very good. And finally, uh, any uh, meetings you want to tell people about, uh, any e Internet sites that you want to direct them to, uh, if they want more information or to get more involved, why don't you provide that? Absolutely. People should go to votingrightsalliance.org. That is our main website, votingrightsalliance.org. And we have a lot of good information on there, and we will continue to put up more information. Uh, one thing people should know is that June is a huge month for voting rights. Uh, think about this. On June 21st, we will be holding a major town hall because that is the anniversary of the slaying of Swerner, Goodman, and Cheney, uh, who were three... Um, freedom riders, freedom fighters who were who came to Mississippi during Freedom Summer and were uh, trying to register people to vote and they were kidnapped and murdered uh, for registering people to vote. So that anniversary is so important to us and that's why uh, we're going to do a major uh, you know, event in their honor and educating people how to get involved and how to fight back in, uh, in these times. Uh, because if they gave their lives then, imagine what we can do now. I mean, they didn't have internet. They didn't have anything. Think about it. Uh, and we have so much more social media, you know, all these things. And don't forget to use your social media people uh, to educate and to repost. You can always follow me on Twitter at Barb's73. Oh, I don't play. You know, I got a whole lot to say about what's going on. And, uh, and, and I'd like to share a lot of good information. And I try to share truthful information, not just junk. Uh, <laughs> there's a whole lot of that. Don't need me. Uh, but also, uh, we will be on tw the June 25th is the anniversary of the Shelby versus Holder decision. That's the horrible decision out of the Supreme Court that allowed for a lot of this voter suppression to happen because what it, in essence, did was it chopped off the legs and the operations of the Voting Rights Act as it ap applied to stopping states uh, from enacting discriminatory laws. Because now you got to sue them afterwards. 
But that beautiful uh, provision of Section 5 and Section 4B, the coverage for, uh, formula, allowed for states that had a bad history of voter suppression to be stopped. Well, that we're going to use that anniversary to point out why we need H.R. 4. And H.R. 4, by the way, is being introduced uh, around June, July. Uh, and also there will be a vote pretty much on, you know, on the For the People Act in the same, you know, time period. So those are important dates. Juneteenth is, uh, the you know, June 19th is Juneteenth. And so we're going to be busy that entire week. We're going to have all kinds of actions and we're going to culminate with a big rally uh, on June the 26th in Washington, D.C. Uh, so we hope that people will be ready. People get ready. There is a train of coming. She's uh, closing uh, with a Curtis Mayfield reference from the city of Chicago. <laughs> How appropriate. Um, Barbara, thank you so much for taking the time. I can't thank you enough. I know you're really busy uh, and you fired me up. And we, on this show, we'll be doing our part uh, raising these issues. Thank and I had you. forgotten about the Goodman, Schwerner, Cheney, 57 years. Good God. Isn't that something? Um, man, it is just unbelievable. Wow. Um, all right, Barbara. That's why we want to lift them up to the generation that needs to know about them. Absolutely. Barbara Arnwine is her name. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. Mm -hmm.